Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 90 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation, Part 25, Chapter 19, The King is Coming. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Well, good morning, God's A-Team. How are you this morning? Glad to be here. It's a wonderful time of year to be here, a wonderful day to be here. The Lord is in our midst, and I have noticed that the presence of the Lord is definitely, I think the powers of darkness are turned up, but definitely the presence of the Lord's turned up. So it just means it's the spiritual world and the natural world is just getting much closer together. I seem like you could just stick a pin in it and it'd pop. But the presence of the Lord is with us. As we begin the teaching this morning, I do welcome everyone that's watching online. So glad you're with us and all of you that are here in the sanctuary. As we seek the Lord this morning and really trying to capture, it is a, how can I say it, a if you'll purpose yourself to capture the presence of Christ in this moment, if you'll purpose yourself not to require me to talk you into it, if you'll purpose yourself to engage in the presence of the Lord that's in this place, it will be amazing how quickly we can move forward in the presence of Christ. I'll be teaching, and I'm the excuse for the presence of God to fill your heart and to fill this room. It's just the excuse. And the, uh, I don't know of another way to put it, but the higher in the spirit we leave this first gathering to enter into the second gathering, the higher the second gathering will launch from. So we have a lot of responsibilities here. And if these are the last days, which I believe they are, we have a tremendous responsibility. When we engage here this morning, that responsibility to meeting Christ and to hearing what God has for us this morning. With that said, let me move quickly. You know the teaching, so as is in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I believe and I'm persuaded that the second coming of Christ is close and is near. A few quotes here. If the kingdom of God is not first, it doesn't matter what's second. I witness with that one. Here's another one, Bill Johnson. The kingdom of God must never be reduced to talk, ideas, and principles. The kingdom of God is power. Here's another one by R.C. Sprout. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. And that applies to us this morning, not tomorrow, but right now. One more by David Jeremiah, one of my favorites. The Lord Jesus Christ is in a class all by himself. There are no competitors, no rivals. He is unique. He is Lord of all. He is King of kings, the Lord of lords. The image of the invisible God, he is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the preeminent preeminent one. That's who is Jesus Christ. He's my king. Is he your king? Is he king of, of your life this morning? All right, as we move, let's look here because the center of our teaching today is Christ, the second coming of Christ, Revelation 19. This is what the last ch uh, six chapters of the book of Revelation is speaking of. Chapter 17, which we've been over, 17 and 18, are about the mystery of Babylon, We've been there three or four weeks. Now this week is chapter 19, the return of the king. This is an exciting chapter I've been waiting to get to for some time. Then chapter 20 of Revelation is the millennium. Then chapter 21 is eternity. 
which is a very interesting chapter. And then chapter 22, we have what we call the conclusion of the book of Revelation. Now, as we pick up here, we ended up with Babylon, the spirit of Babylon, that we've done for several weeks, how that we see in the world in which we live that the spirit of Babylon is all around us. And But there's a silver lining, I'm going to call it. If we see the spirit of Babylon, we've talked a lot about that. We want to be sure that we must refocus on the eternal kingdom. As we see all of the darkness around us, we are the people of some good news. Now, we don't stick our head in the sand and act like darkness is not around us. Book of Revelation is a book that shakes us and it causes us to see this darkness. How do we know if we're being caught into this darkness? It's because all of a sudden, your whole world is all about you. You can say, well, Alan, that's the world I live in is about me. Well, of course it's about you. But if you notice yourself, if you're getting very critical about everything and everybody, is the whole world and people in it just getting on your ever loving nerve? That might touch a few people in here. In the last week, I venture to say how many people made some type of statement towards it. The fact that everything, everybody, you just feel like I wish everybody would leave me alone. Well, what's actually happening to us when we're feeling that? You're actually being sucked into the world. You're being sucked into this system of Babylon, we call it, because it's trying to get your attention. We are to rise above that attention. Wonderful place to say amen. I'll try it again. We are to rise above giving attention unto Babylon. We're not sticking our head in the sand. We're very aware of it. But we're to rise above it. We're to move faster. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to slow down. You got to speed up. I'm the wrong person to have a conversation. I'm going to slow down and seek God. I say you're so slow now, you about lost God. My statement is we got to speed up and catch up with God and what he's doing. If you think slowing down is the answer, you're wrong. The people of God are to be at a, at a gallop in this day that we're living in. The times are short, and there's a lot to be done. If you are an airplane, and if you're a jet airplane, and you hear sound, a jet airplane can reach a, a speed that's faster than sound. We say that you break the sound barrier, and you hear a big sonic boom when that happens. But it just so happens if you're the right, if you're in the jet airplane, when you go through the sonic boom, all of a sudden everything turns quiet. You can't hear anything. And the reason is you're moving faster than sound. As the people of God, we're to move faster than sound. If you're hearing all the sounds of this world, you're becoming defeated, you're becoming selfish, it's all about you, you're not moving fast enough. You're hearing the sounds of the world. If you want to hear the sounds of heaven, you've got to move faster than the world. We've got to move faster than the sounds of this world. We've been talking about Babylon. We've been talking about the sounds of the world. They're real. They're there. We hear them. But the Bible says, pull up, pull up, speed up. Get faster than the sounds of the world and get to the mock speed of the Spirit of God. With that in mind, let's move forward. We must refocus on the eternal kingdom. You've got to move quickly to do that. Now, let's look at Luke 1. And you know this scripture. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the what? Throne, understand throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be what? No end. There's a throne and there's no end. It's the throne of David. That's a real throne, by the way. It's not a spiritual throne. It's a real throne. It says, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So that's a promise given to Jesus that God's going to give him a literal throne. Now, there'll be no end to it, it says. 
That's a long time. That's forever plus some. Now, as we look at it here, if you believe this literally, you are in the minority of the church. Are you shocked? If you believe in that literal throne of David that there will be no end, over 50% of Christendom today is believes in replacement theology. They do not think that that's a literal prophecy. So, now let's watch this. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Your New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, starts off with these two covenants. We call it the Davidic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. It's these two covenants. The New Testament is about these two covenants. But you've got to understand in Acts, in the book of Acts, that the church is what we call it in Ephesians 3. This church that we are is called a mystery or a secret. It's not in these two covenants. It's hidden. It's a secret. And so then this secret was revealed in the book of Acts. In Paul's writings, he gives a lot of the revelations. So us sitting here as Gentiles is a secret that was unveiled and revealed, but it wasn't in prophecy. Prophecy, generations of David, Abraham, Abrahamic covenant, Davidic covenant, Abrahamic land, Davidic covenant, throne. Did you know that Jerusalem is literal land? Israel is literal land. Throne of David was literal Terminology here is literal. We can see why the church got out of sync because for almost 2,000 years, Israel was not in their land. But y'all have heard it said over and over, 1948 things changed. So I understand why people went replacement theology because Israel had to be in the land and wasn't for 2,000 years. I get it. But wake up, church. They're there now. So these literal applications we know are now true. You don't have to guess at it. But most of the church has stayed in the old teaching. It comes from Catholicism because the Catholic church main message is they replaced Israel. Now, in our, even though we feel like that we're as Protestants that we broke away from that, we broke away from some of it, but we carried a lot of it over. And that's one of them. Now, the future throne was recognized by the first church council in Acts 15. This future throne, this is Acts 15. Acts 15, it says this, After this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Verse 17, That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord who doeth all these things. So they were looking for that. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So we see that even the first church council in Acts was still looking for that. Now, the oldest prophecy in the Bible, now this is even before the flood. I think this is interesting. It's in Jude. You say, well, Alan, how's that before the flood? It's because he's referring back. After, and Enoch also, here we go with Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied of these sayings, behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, speaking of the second coming of Christ, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. He's hung on ungodly. And all of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I think he's going to cover the ungodly question at the second coming of Christ. And we can see this was even prophesied. This is pre-flood. Pretty good, accurate prophecy, don't you think? Now, Jesus, and I think, keep this in mind, Jesus is mentioned in all 66 books of the Bible, every book. Perhaps sometime we can go through those. It's, it's a fascinating you know, revelation and teaching how Jesus is in all of them. The Bible is about Jesus. It's what it's about. You thought it was about me and you and our sin and being born again. Well, we're a side issue. It's about Jesus. 
and that he did die for us. He is pictured or prophesied about in each of the 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Christ appears in every book of the Bible, sometimes in words, sometimes in shadows, sometimes in prophecy. Who is Jesus in all 66 books of the Bible? In Mark, he is the Son of God. In Luke, he's the Savior born to us in the city of David, a Christ the Lord. In John, he is the Word become flesh, dwelling among us. In Acts, he is Christ, the risen Lord, proclaiming salvation to the nations. Now, the reason I'm putting this in here as we move into this, in the second coming of Christ, Jesus is more than we think. We know He's a person. We know we love Jesus, yada, yada, yada. But I want to tell you something. There's more to Jesus than you know sitting here right now. There's more to Him. This thing's more about Him than you think. Now, we are in Him. He is in us. So you've got to understand to know Jesus and to know more about Jesus is to know more about your inheritance and what you have in Jesus. You don't know what you have in Jesus by your need. You know by what you have in Jesus because you know who He is. Now watch it. Jesus reads out of the book of Isaiah. Now this is, says it's a different spelling here, but it's just the way they did it in the New Testament. This is Isaiah. Now Jesus reads. He goes into the synagogue. He comes out of the wilderness. You remember the story, Luke. I think it's Luke 4. And he comes out of the wilderness here. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he comes out of the wilderness. He goes into Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue to read. Now look what he says. This is fascinating to me. This is Luke 4. Yeah. And there was delivered unto him the book of the the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, watch this, he found the place where it was written. Jesus goes to the synagogue, opens up the book, finds Isaiah where this is written. And here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, to set the liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, this is Jesus reading it out of the book of Isaiah in the synagogue. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. So he read this. Of course, he's speaking about himself. So he read this. But here's what's interesting. He stopped before he finished what was written in Isaiah. And he began to say something unto them. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open up the prison of them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable, now this is Isaiah, I'm sorry, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now right there, Jesus stopped. Now this is actually going back to what he was reading in Isaiah 61. He stopped right after to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus stopped here and did not read the rest of the prophecy. And here it is. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. The reason he stopped there, this last part is speaking about his second coming. See, he wasn't to that part. See, he read out of Isaiah and he stopped short because it wasn't time to fulfill it. So now we see why he stopped there. This would be fulfilled at his second coming. Now that's important as we move forward. And I'm trying to move quickly. In Revelation 19, 11, 16, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses." 
Now, I guess we're going to have for a good while, for the others of you who don't know how, you're going to get horse riding lessons in heaven. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, and he himself treads a winepress out of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now we say that term over and over and over. That is a big statement. He's King of King, Kings and he's Lord of Lords. I ask you again, is he your king? If he is, I ask you this question. Is he the Lord of lords in your life? How do you know you've made him king? It's because you've made him Lord. Now, it's important as Christians, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I am here to wake us up. It is important. Can somebody hear me? Did I say important? It is important that Jesus is Lord of your life. Can somebody hear me? Has anybody fell apart this week? Has anybody fell apart in the last few weeks? Have you come at the end of your last nerve? Anybody use that statement? Like my friend Jeff Rowland. He uses last nerve every week. And I've told him, your last nerve's getting on my last nerve. <laughs> We've got to understand something. When Jesus is Lord, you never reach your last nerve. Is your panic button to hell. All hell is alerted when you reach your last nerve. When you have an outburst of anger, you just reached your last nerve and you have alerted the pits of hell that you need their help. Come on. You know I'm saying the truth. When you fall in sin, lust, you've reached your last nerve. When we operate in sin to medicate our feelings, to medicate our sadness, we have alerted the pits and gates of hell and they will run to your aid. They'll help you pull off your sin which is death to you. Can somebody hear me? Now listen, King of King and Lord of Lords means he's Lord over your last nerve. He's Lord over your anger. He's Lord over how blame smart you think you are. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. How do I know I am? Because it's in me. All I got to do is read my own life. But I've learned a spiritual secret. When he is King of Kings and Lord of my life, I can move faster than the speed of sound. Can somebody hear me? Now, as believers, we've got to get this mock spiritual speed up and going because we're being destroyed by the things of Babylon. We're being destroyed by the sounds of this earth. We're being destroyed by all of this sadness, by all of this darkness. We don't deny that it's there, but we don't have to live there. Can somebody say amen? When we come into this place of a congregation, we don't live there. This is to be a congregation where God's people come together and collectively we're going to move faster than the sounds of this earth. And we're going to lift up and raise up a heavenly sound. You say, well, Alan, I don't feel like it. I get it. I get that you don't feel like it, but let me give you some good news. You can get over it in about three seconds because I've just told you that you can by the word of God. You can overcome it. You say, Alan, you don't know my situations. I know I don't, and I don't want to, but Jesus does. I can't get you there, but he can. Now let's watch it as he moves on here. Over here we see John's favorite title for Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So we understand Revelation, the Word of God. He, John is into Jesus is the Word of God. John's got a revelation we don't quite have. We kind of, but not quite. Now, look at it. It says this in Daniel 2, and I'm sure you all remember Daniel. 
You remember the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and you know, it's got all of the, the different governments there that are taken down. But in Daniel 2.44, it says this, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. What was that referring to? The second coming of Christ, which is therefore, somebody say hallelujah, is right upon us. It's right here. I'm going to be standing in heaven a hundred years from now, and I'm going to come up to every one of you and say, I told you so. It is right upon us. Now, this is what Daniel is speaking about here. And he goes on to say this in the next verse. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron and the brass and the clay and the silver and the gold, which is those other kingdoms, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. That is literal, and we're right upon it. We are probably the chosen generation to see this happen. Do you realize in heaven right now they're jealous of us? Moses is jealous of us. All of heaven would love to be in our shoes. We have the opportunity of the greatest power of God at our disposal because we're in a place of the greater darkness. Where there's greater darkness, there's greater power. I'm just telling you, church, we got to speed up, not slow down, and get into where there's no sound but the sound of heaven. And we live out of it. Now, let me hurry. I got to move on here. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Y'all know the scripture. It's speaking of Jesus. It says a child is born. That prophecy is. And where was he born? In Bethlehem. It goes on to say in Isaiah 9, 7, Of the increase of his government. Somebody say increase. Of the increase. That means it's getting bigger. Of his, of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There'll be no end. Upon the throne of David, literal throne, and upon his kingdom in order and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth for even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. And it says here, the son is given on Gotha. That one has all been accomplished. Upon his throne, it says, and here it says in Luke, and behold, there shall conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, his name shall call Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and we're getting ready, and we're in the season of celebration. Now, we're going to go into something now. Y'all, most of y'all, not all of you, have heard this video I'm going to show right now. And it's about Jesus is King. It's uh, S.M. Lockridge in 1970. And a lot of you, I have played this before, where he has a message on Jesus is the King. But most of you have never heard the extended version. Most of you have heard a three to four minute version. I'm going to give you a seven minute version. It's 7.15 and I've got seven minutes. Now, here's our point. Jesus is King and Lord. There's a supernatural spiritual revelation in Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord that we're not quite getting it all yet. We're going to need to get more so we can go where we need to go. If we already had it, we'd already be there. But we're not there because we ain't got it. But we got to got it so we can get. Here's the preacher who preached at S.M. Lockridge in 1970. This is an extended version that I have found. My goal is that you will capture the secret of the King of Kings. My king was born king. 
The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's August. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, His grace is sufficient. His reign 
is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't him, keep him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. talking about black power and white power and green power but it's God's power time is the power yeah. <laughs> and the glory we finally get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves but the glory is all his yes time is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever, and ever, how long is that? And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. And when you get through with all of the forever, then amen. 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 That one always makes my eyes leap. I just can't help it. I know, and it lets us know that there is surely, we have to believe there's more to Jesus being Lord than we've discovered yet as a people. And, and it's this more that I'm submitting to you this morning for you to test. It is this more that I'm submitting to you that we need to be looking into on a personal level. If we all will look into it more as a personal level, these days in which we are living is pressing us to find out what this more means. More revelation of who he is. What does it mean? I don't know about you, but I've got areas in my life I've yet to submit to him that he's Lord over. I've yet to submit to him to be Lord over. But I understand that what I haven't submitted is what slows me down from being faster than the speed of the sound of this world. If this world's getting to you, you're not moving fast enough. We're to have knowledge of what's going on around us so we know how to pursue it. Listen, I'm not for getting out of the way of darkness. I'm for putting darkness to death. 
I'm not from running away from it. I'm for shining light in the dark places. I don't want to run away from the malls, from our government. We want to run into them with the torch of the light of God. You can say, well, Alan, I look like an idiot. I'd rather be an idiot on fire than somebody that is really stupid, cold and dead. Just choose if you want to be stupid or an idiot for Jesus. It's really and truly something we have to consider in this day. For in this day, is Jesus really King of Kings? And just ask the Lord, and I'm going to pray that, Lord, give us a revelation. Give us, Jesus, we're asking you to reveal yourself more to us today in this congregational meeting. We don't claim to know, but we do claim to ask that you would reveal yourself more even in this meeting today. Lord, there's people here that need physical healing. We pray that you would just show up. Lord, we don't want to have somebody stand up here and act like they're the great healer, for we know you are the great healer. Lord, we're asking you just to settle down in your Shekinah glory in this house. Heal the sick. Save the lost. Bring convictions to our own hearts of who Jesus really is. For this Christmas season, let 2023 be the greatest Christmas season of our lives as who Jesus is. The babe born in the manger, the King of Kings, has brought greater revelation to his people that we might truly be guilty of being the children of God. Let us carry with us, O oh God, the attributes of Christ. Let us carry with us, O oh God, the mindset of Christ. Let us lay down our own stupidity, our own pride, how much we think we know about everything. Lord, we lay it all down, and we ask you to show up on the scene. Let us be your people, and we're asking you to be our God. Come in this place today. Now, I'm, I'm asking us to worship God this morning, more in this little house than we ever had, and those that are watching online. You can do the same thing at your home or in your car. But I am, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, giving you an invitation to allow Jesus to be more in your life than he's ever been. Let's stand. And I dare you, in a Holy Ghost, to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.